0: section seven of essays book three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by malone essays book three by Michel de montaigne translated by charles cotton upon some verses of virgil by how much profitable thoughts are more full and solid by so much are they also more cumbersome and heavy vice death poverty diseases are grave and grievous subjects a man should have his soul instructed in the means to sustain and to contend with evils and in the rules of living and believing well and often rouse it up and exercise it in this noble study but in an ordinary soul it must be by intervals and with moderation he will otherwise grow besotted if continually intent upon it i found it necessary when i was young to put myself in mind and solicit myself to keep me to my duty gaiety and health do not they say so well agree with those grave and serious meditations i am at present in another state the conditions of age but too much put me in mind urged me to wisdom and preached to me from the excess of sprightliness I am fallen into that of severity which is much more troublesome and for that reason I now and then suffer myself purposely a little to run into disorder and occupy my mind in wanton and youthful thoughts wherewith it diverts itself I am of late but too reserved too heavy, and too ripe. Years every day read to me lectures of coldness and temperance. This body of mine avoids disorder and dreads it. Tis now my body's turn to guide my mind towards reformation. It governs in turn, and more rudely and imperiously than the other. It lets me not an hour alone, sleeping or waking, but is always preaching to me death patience, and repentance. I now defend myself from temperance, as I have formerly done from pleasure. It draws me too much back, and even to stupidity. Now I will be master of myself to all intents and purposes. Wisdom has its excesses, and has no less need of moderation than folly. Therefore, lest I should wither, dry up, and overcharge myself with prudence, in the intervals and truces my infirmities allow me, mains intent to in sit usque malis, that my mind may not eternally be intent upon my ills. Ovid Tristia 414. I gently turn aside and avert my eyes from the stormy and cloudy sky I have before me, which, thanks be to God, I regard without fear, but not without meditation and study, and amuse myself in the remembrance of my better years, animus quo perditit optit, atque in praeterita se totius imogene versat. The mind wishes to have what it has lost, and throws itself wholly into memories of the past. Petronius, chapter 128. Let childhood look forward and age backward. Was not this the signification of Janice's double face? Let years draw me along if they will, but it shall be backward. As long as my eyes can discern the pleasant season expired, I shall now and then turn them that way. Though it escaped from my blood and veins, I shall not, however, root the image of it out of my memory we vivere bis, vita posse priore frui. Tis to live twice to be able to enjoy one's former life. Marshall 10, twenty-three seven. Plato ordains that old men should be present at the exercises, dances, and sports of young people, that they may rejoice in others for the activity and beauty of body which is no more in themselves and call to mind the grace and comeliness of that flourishing age and wills that in these recreations the honor of the prize should be given to that young man who has most diverted the company I was formerly wont to mark cloudy and gloomy days as extraordinary these are now my ordinary days the extraordinary are the clear and bright I'm ready to leap for joy for an unwanted favor when nothing happens to me let me tickle myself I cannot force a poor smile from this wretched body of mine I am only merry in conceit and in dreaming by artifice to divert the melancholy of age but in faith it requires another remedy than a dream a weak contest of art against nature 'tis great folly to lengthen and anticipate human incommodities, as every one does. I had rather be a less while old than be old before I am really so. I seize on even the least occasions of pleasure I can meet. I know very well, by hearsay, several sorts of prudent pleasures, effectually so, and a glorious to boot but opinion has not power enough over me to give me an appetite to them. I covet not so much to have them magnanimous, magnificent, and pompous as I do to have them sweet, facile, and ready. A natura discadimus, populonos damus, nolius rei re boni auctori. We depart from nature and give ourselves to the people, who understand nothing. Seneca Epistles, ninety nine. My philosophy is in action, in natural and present practice, very little in fancy. What if I should take pleasure in playing at cobnut or to whip a top? Non ponebon m rumores ante salutem. He did not sacrifice his health even to rumors. Cicero De Officiis. 124. Pleasure is a quality of very little ambition. It thinks itself rich enough of itself without any addition of repute, and is best pleased where most retired. A young man should be whipped who pretends to a taste in wine and sauces. There is nothing which at that age I less valued or knew. Now I begin to learn. I am very much ashamed on it, but what should I do? I am more ashamed and vexed at the occasions that put me upon it. Tis for us to dote and trifle away the time, and for young men to stand upon their reputation and nice punctilios. They are going towards the world, and the world's opinion. We are retiring from it. Sibi arma, sibi equus, sibi hosta, sibi clavum, sibi pilum, sibi natationes, et cursus habiant. Nobis senibus ex lucionibus multis talos relinquant et tesseras. Let them reserve to themselves arms, horses, spears, and clubs, tennis, swimming, and races. And of all the sports, leave to us old men cards and dice. Cicero de Senectute, Chapter 16 The laws themselves send us home, I can do no less in favor of this wretched condition into which my age has thrown me than furnish it with toys to play with all, as they do children. And in truth, we become such. Both wisdom and folly will have enough to do to support and relieve me by alternate services in this calamity of age. misque stultitiam consiliis brewem mingle with counsels a brief interval of folly. Horace Odes 4.12.27 I accordingly avoid the lightest punctures, and those that formerly would not have rippled the skin now pierce me through and through. My habit of body is now so naturally declining to ill. In frogly corpore odiosa omnis offensio in a fragile body, every shop is obnoxious. Cicero De Senectute, Chapter Eighteen. mains que pati durum sustinet the hill, And the infirm mind can bear no difficult exertion. Ovid, De Ponto, One Five Eighteen. I have ever been very susceptibly tender as to offences. I am much more tender now, and open throughout. Et minimi vires frangere quas and little force suffices to break what was cracked before. Ovid, De Tristis, three, eleven, twenty-two. My judgment restrains me from kicking against and murmuring at the inconveniences that nature orders me to endure, Uh, but it does not take away from my feeling them. I, who have no other thing in my aim but to live and be merry, would run from one end of the world to the other to seek out one good year of pleasant and jocund tranquillity. A melancholic and dull tranquility may be enough for me, but it benumbs and stupefies me. I'm not contented with it. If there be any person, any knot of good company, in country or city, in France or elsewhere, resident or in motion, who can like my humor, and whose humors I can like, let them but whistle, and I will run and furnish them with essays in flesh and bone." Seeing it is the privilege of the mind to rescue itself from old age, I advise mine do it with all the power I have. Let it meanwhile continue green, and flourish if it can, like mistletoe upon a dead tree. But I fear it is a traitor. It has contracted so strict a fraternity with the body that it leaves me at every turn to follow that in its need. I wheedle and deal with it apart in vain I try in vain to wean it from this correspondence to no effect Quote it to Seneca and Catullus and ladies and royal masks If its companion have the stone it seems to have it too Even the faculties that are most peculiarly and properly its own cannot then perform their functions but manifestly appear stupefied and asleep. There is no sprightliness in its productions if there be not at the same time an equal proportion in the body, too. Our masters are to blame that in searching out the causes of the extraordinary emotions of the soul, besides attributing it to a divine ecstasy, love, martial fierceness, poesy, wine, they have not also attributed a part to health. A boiling, vigorous, full and lazy health, such as formerly the verdure of youth and security by fits supplied me with all, that fire of sprightliness and gaiety darts into the mind flashes that are lively and bright beyond our natural light, and of all enthusiasms the most jovial, if not the most extravagant. It is then no wonder if a contrary state stupefy and clog my spirit and produce a contrary effect. Ad nolum consurgit opus cum corpore languit. The mind is languishing, the body is good for nothing. Or it rises to no effort, it languishes with the body. Pseudo one one twenty five. And yet would have me obliged to it for giving, as it wants to make out, much less consent to this stupidity than is the ordinary case with men of my age. Let us, at least, whilst we have truce, drive away incommodities and difficulties from our commerce. Domlicet audta so water fronte senectus. Whilst we can. Let us banish old age from the brow. Herodius Epistoli thirteen seven. sunt amoenanda jocularebus, sour things are to be sweetened with those that are pleasant. Sidonius Apollinarius Epistoli one nine. I love a gay and civil wisdom and fly from all sourness and austerity of manners, all repellent mien being suspected by me. Tristemque vultus tetrici arrogantiam, the arrogant sadness of a crabbed face. Outdoor in incertus. Et habit tristis quoque turba canidos. And the dull crowd also has its voluptuaries, or... An austere countenance sometimes covers a debauched mind. The same place. I am very much of Plato's opinion, who says that facile or harsh humours are great indications of the good or ill disposition of the mind. Socrates had a constant countenance, but serene and smiling, not sourly austere, like the elder Crassus, whom no one ever saw laugh virtue is a pleasant and gay quality i know very well that few will quarrel with the license of my writings who have not more to quarrel with in the license of their own thoughts i conform myself well enough to their inclinations but i offend their eyes tis a fine humor to strain the writings of plato to rest his pretended intercourses with Phaedo, dion stella and archianassa Non pudiat dicere quod non pudet sentire. Let us not be ashamed to speak what we are not ashamed to think. I hate a forward and dismal spirit that slips all over the pleasures of life and seizes and feeds upon misfortunes, like flies that cannot stick to a smooth and polished body, but fix and repose themselves upon craggy and rough places. And like cupping glasses that only suck and attract bad blood as to the rest I have enjoined myself to dare to say all that I dare to do even thoughts that are not to be published displease me the worst of my actions and qualities do not appear to me so evil as I find it evil and base not to dare to own them everyone is wary and discreet in confession But men ought to be so in action the boldness of doing ill is in some sort compensated and restrained by the boldness of confessing it whoever will oblige himself to tell all should oblige himself to do nothing that he must be forced to conceal i wish that this excessive license of mine may draw men to freedom above these timorous and mincing virtues sprung from our imperfections and that, at the expense of my immoderation, I may reduce them to reason. A man must see and study his vice to correct it. They who conceal it from others commonly conceal it from themselves, and do not think it close enough if they themselves see it. They withdraw and disguise it from their own consciences. Quare, wittia sua nemo confitator? Quietiam nuncin ilis est, somnium narrare vigilantis est. Why does no man confess his vices? Because he is yet in them. Tis for a waking man to tell his dream. Seneca, Epistles, 53. The diseases of the body explain themselves by their increase. We find it to be the gout, which we call a room or a strain the diseases of the soul the greater they are keep themselves the most obscure the most sick are the least sensible therefore it is that with with an unrelenting hand they most often in full day be taken to task opened and torn from the hollow of the heart as in doing well so in doing ill the mere confession is sometimes satisfaction is there any deformity in doing amiss that can excuse us from confessing ourselves? It is so great a pain to me to, to dissemble that I evade the trust of another's secrets, wanting the courage to disavow my knowledge. I can keep silent, but deny I cannot without the greatest trouble and violence to myself imaginable to be very secret. A man must be so by nature not by obligation his little worth in the service of a prince to be secret if a man be not a liar to boot if he who asked Thales the Milesian whether he ought solemnly to deny that he had committed adultery had applied himself to me I should have told him that he ought not to do it for I look upon lying as a worse fault than the other Thales advised him quite the contrary, bidding him swear to shield the greater fault by the less. Nevertheless, this counsel was not so much an election as in a multiplication of vice, upon which, let us say this in passing, that we deal liberally with a man of conscience when we propose to him some difficulty in counterpoise of vice, but when we shut him up betwixt two vices, He is put to a hard choice, as Origen was, either to idolatrise or to suffer himself to be carnally abused by a great Ethiopian slave they brought to him. He submitted to the first condition, and wrongly, people say. Yet those women of our times are not much out, according to their error, who protest they had rather burden their consciences with ten men than one mass. If it be indiscretion, so to publish one's errors, yet there is no great danger that it pass into example and custom. For Ariston said that the winds men most fear those that lay them open. We must tuck up this ridiculous rag that hides our manners. They send their consciences to the stews and keep a starched countenance. Even traitors and assassins espouse the laws of ceremony and there fix their duty so that neither can injustice complain of incivility nor malice of indiscretion Tis pity but a madman should be a fool to boot and that outward decency should palliate his vice this rough cast only appertains to a good and sound wall that deserves to be preserved and whited in favor of the huguenots who condemn our auricular and private confession I confess myself in public, religiously, and purely. St. Augustine, Origetti, and Hippocrates have published the errors of their opinions. I moreover, of my manners. I am greedy of making myself known, and I care not to how many, provided it be truly. Or, to say better, I hunger for nothing, but I mortally hate to be mistaken by those who happen to learn my name. He who does all things for honor and glory, what can he think to gain by showing himself to the world in a visor and by concealing his true being from the people? Praise a humpback for his stature. He has reason to take it for an affront. If you are a coward and men commend you for your valor, is it of you they speak? They take you for another i should like him as well as who glorifies himself in the compliments and congees that are made him as if he were a master of the company when he is one of the least of the train archelaus king of macedon walking along the street somebody threw water on his head which they who were with him said he ought to punish ay but said he whoever it was he did not throw the water upon me but upon him whom he took to be me Socrates being told that people spoke ill of him not at all said he there is nothing in me of what they say for my part if any one should recommend me as a good pilot as being very modest or very chaste i should owe him no thanks and so whoever should call me traitor robber or drunkard i should be as little concerned They who do not rightly know themselves may feed themselves with false approbations, not I, who see myself and who examine myself even to my very bowels, and who very well know what is my due. I am content to be less commended, provided I am better known. I may be reputed a wise man in such a sort of wisdom as I take to be folly, I am vexed that my essays only serve the ladies for a common piece of furniture and a piece for the hall. This chapter will make me part of the water closet. I love to traffic with them a little in private, and public conversation is without favor and without savor. In farewells, we oftener than not heat our affections towards the things we take leave of. I take my last leave of the pleasures of this world these are our last embraces but let us come to my subject what has the act of generation so natural so necessary and so just done to men to be a thing not to be spoken of without blushing and to be excluded from all serious and moderate discourse we boldly pronounce kill rob betray and that we dare only to do betwixt the teeth is it to say the less we expend in words we may pay so much the more in thinking for it is certain that the words least in use most seldom written and best kept in are the best and most generally known no age no manners are ignorant of them no more than the word bread they imprint themselves in every one without being expressed without voice and without figure, and the sex that most practices it is bound to say least of it. It Tis an act that we have placed in the franchise of silence, from which to take it is a crime even to accuse and judge it. Neither dare we reprehend it but by periphrasis and picture. A great favor to a criminal to be so execrable that justice thinks it unjust to touch and see him free and safe by the benefit of the severity of his condemnation is it not here as in a matter of books that sell better and become more public for being suppressed for my part I will take Aristotle at his word who says that bashfulness is an ornament to youth but a reproach to old age these verses are preached in the ancient school a school that I much more adhere to than the modern. Its virtues appear to me to be greater, and the vices less. Ceux qui part trop frive venus et trive, faillent autant que ceux qui la suivre. They are as much who too much forbear Venus as they who are too frequent in her rites. A translation by Amiot from Plutarch. A philosopher should converse with princes. Te dea rerum naturum sola gubernos, nex sinite quicquam dias in luminous oras exoritur, nequi fit lightum, nequamabile quicquam. Goddess, still thou alone go- governest nature, nor without thee anything comes into light. Nothing is pleasant, nothing is joyful. Lucretius 122 i know not who could set pallas and the muses at variance with venus and make them cold towards love but i see no deities so well met or that are more indebted to one another who will deprive the muses of amorous imaginations will rob them of the best entertainment they have and of the noblest matter of their work and who will make love lose the communication and service of poesy will disarm him of his best weapons. By this means they charge the god of familiarity and goodwill, and the protecting goddesses of humanity and justice with the vice of ingratitude and unthankfulness. I have not been so long cashiered from the state and service of this god that my memory is not still perfect in his force and value agnosco vestigia flammae i recognize vestiges of my old flame aeneid four twenty three there are yet some remains of heat and emotion after the fever nec calor hic anis nor let this heat of youth fail me in my winter years withered and drooping as i am i feel yet some remains of the past ardor qual l'alto egeo per l'aquiloni <speaking> o'note Chesi te tutti primi voce scosse non sacceti piero ma suoni il moto ritiende l'onde anco agitate grosse as Aegean seas, when storms be calmed again, that roll their tumbling waves with troublous blasts, do yet of tempests past some show retain, and here and there their swelling billows cast. Fairfax. But from what I understand of it, the force and power of this god are more lively and animated in the picture of poesy than in their own essence et verus digitos habit verse has fingers altered from juvenile four one ninety six it has i know not what kind of air more amorous than love itself venus is not so beautiful naked alive and panting as she is here in virgil Dixerat, et nives hinc atque hinc cuntantem amplexu molli fovit, ille repente acapit solitam flamam, notusque medullos intrauit calor, et labe facta per osa cucurit non secus at qualim tonetru, cum rupta corusco igne rima micans percurit lumine nimbos. Ea locutus, Optatos dedit amplexus, placidumque petit coniugus infusus gremio per membra soporem. The goddess spoke, and throwing round him her snowy embraces, caresses him, hesitating. Suddenly he caught the wanted flame and the well-known warmth pierced his marrow and ran thrilling through his shaken bones just as when at times, with thunder, a stream of fire in lightning flashes, shoots across the skies. Having spoken these words, he gave her the wished embraces, and in the bosom of his spouse sought placid sleep. Aeneid 8, 387, and 392 All I find fault with in considering it is that he has represented her a little too passionate for a married Venus. And in this discreet kind of coupling, the appetite is not usually so wanton, but more grave and dull. Love hates that people should hold of any but itself, and goes but faintly to work in familiarities derived from any other title, as marriage is. Alliance, dowry, therein sway by reason as much as more than grace and beauty. Men do not marry for themselves. Let them say what they will. They marry as much or more for their posterity and family. The custom and interest of marriage concern our race much more than us. And therefore it is that I like to have a match carried on by a third hand rather than a man's own, and by another man's liking than that of the party himself. And how much is all this opposite to the conventions of love? And also it is a kind of incest to employ in this venerable and sacred alliance the heat and extravagance of amorous license, as I think I have said elsewhere. A man, says Aristotle, must approach his wife with prudence and temperance, lest in dealing too lasciviously with her the extreme pleasure make her exceed the bounds of reason. What he says upon the account of conscience, the physicians say upon the account of health, that a pleasure excessively lascivious, voluptuous, and frequent makes the seed too hot, and hinders conception. To it elsewhere that to a languishing intercourse, as this naturally is, to supply it with a due and fruitful heat, a man must do it but seldom and at appropriate intervals. Quo rapiat sitiens, winterum interiusque recondat but let him thirstily snatch the joys of love and enclose them in his bosom virgil georgics three one thirty seven i see no marriages where the conjugal compatibility sooner fails than those that we contract upon the account of beauty and amorous desires there should be more solid and constant foundation and they should proceed with greater circumspection. This furious ardor is worth nothing. End of Section uh, 7 Reading by Malone